WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 53, all about the Black Gates Open. Chapter 10, Book 5 of The Return of the King, being the 53rd part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined once again by my dear friend, Bethany. Hello! She is my first guest back in person. So exciting. And I, like, Corona really threw me off because I do have, there have been a couple guests that I have in person. And I was like, I was really freaking out. I was like, oh my God, am I like ever going to get to a point where I can have Bethany on again to do a Return of the King chapter. So it's been a weird time. Yeah. That being said, we are not recording because, oh, Corona's over. It is not. It's not. We're just, we already chose to risk it a couple weeks ago. So we could, so I, so I could watch Bethany watch (laughs) the finale of Avatar. We had had enough with the Netflix watch party, which yeah. was great. Those are fine, but, but... We've already shared our germs. I wanted to... Accepted it. Watch your face. Yeah. Watch the... Yes. Show, so... Yeah. Also, we're going to be recording a bonus episode that will come out as you're listening to this. It'll come out this Saturday. And we're going to talk about Avatar! Um, Because I know there are a couple people who wanted me to do, like, a mini podcast or bonus episodes or something about avatar when it first dropped on netflix and tbh that's a lot of work so we're just gonna do (laughs) one one. like conversational Mm -hmm. episode talking about it because bethany has this like unique perspective of she didn't watch it as a child i watched like a handful of episodes and then my conservative mother changed her mind so (laughs) (laughs) so we're so go listen to that this saturday but right now we're here to talk about Black Gate. The Black Gate opens. And am I correct and or incorrect in thinking that there's also a chapter called The Black Gate is Closed? I think there's a... The Way is Shut or The Black Gate is Shut. That might have been in Two Towers, though, which I don't have. And I I was going to say, I have already packed that up, so... I can Google it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listeners, this is is also a very momentous occasion, because this is going to be the last episode I record in this apartment. Oh. Yeah. Wow. There is. Okay. Chapter three. Book. I have to do the Roman numerals. Four. Okay. Book four. <laughs> chapter three in two towers is called The Black Gate is Closed. Gotcha. And now it's and opening now it's again. Opening. Oh, and that's not good. That means nothing good is happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 I did the thing where I started recording as I was reading the chapter. Mm-hmm. Because I thought something really, like, epic was going to... I was... my So my expectations for this chapter was that it was going to be an epic battle. And, like, the, four, the black... When I was imagining the Black Gates opening, is it open... I mean, you know, that, and that is what, what happens. happens. Yeah. It's just, like, on the last page of the chapter. Yeah. So I was imagining, like, it was going to open and then just swarms of evil come out yes and that's which, what the whole chapter which, would be okay well you didn't like well but it wasn't i definitely liked very, elements like, of it and, you know, oh yeah like a lot of that so i de- i mean i definitely still appreciated it but my expectations going in were like oh this is gonna be like huge battle because that's what gandalf was talking about yeah. in the previous chapter mm-hmm. where gandalf was like hey we're all gonna die <laughs> who's in who's in <laughs> So I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought thought everyone was going to die. Basically. That's not what happened. So they go up, they start to leave. And unfortunately, our homeboy, Mary. My sweet boy. He has to stay because he's just been hurt. And Aragorn says, he's like, you you can't fight. You're not fit for this. But don't worry. Pippin is going to go and he's going to represent the Shire folk, Mm -hmm. which I just think is, it's a nice gesture but at the same, once again, like, really, what can a hobbit do? Well, well, a single hobbit. <laughs> you gonna find out. In the battle. I mean, I say that, and Mary was also a single hobbit, and he helped so take down the Witch King. So, so. Um, But I like, too, that I feel like this is one, if you could go back in time 
and like grab Aragorn by the shoulder in Rivendell all those years ago and be like, hey, in a while, Pippin's gonna be your dude. He's gonna be the one <laughs> that stands for all the other hobbits. He would have just like, oh, he been oh like, no. Oh, oh no. My God. <laughs> Not that one. Anyone but that one. <laughs> and I like this because he gets a little, he gets a little dig in at, at Pippin. Um, cause he, he says, do not grudge him his chance of peril for though he has done as well as his fortune allowed him, he has yet to match your deed. What? So I kind of like that little dig of like, Mary, you've sacrificed so much. Pippin's barely done anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like it was meant more to make Mary I feel it, better. Though. Like yeah. you're already the hero. Exactly. Pippin's yeah. gotta, gotta have his chance now. Yeah. But. It's like... It, in one respect, it's complimenting Mary, mm-hmm. but it's like a little bit of an insult to yeah, Pippin yeah. of being like, okay, Pippin, now it's your turn to risk death. And also like, <laughs> come on, buddy, step up. <laughs> I like the way that it's broken up in my book, at least, um, you know, the little paragraph breaks. And we have that nice little bit about Mary. It's like, oh, that's nice. You know, I feel bad that he can't come and he's upset, but now we're moving on with the story. And then there's another little section that's still about Mary and it's still like... It just kind of drives home. He's really upset about this. And, like, he's he's the only one that isn't um, going off to face Mordor. Also interesting to point out is that this chapter opens and closes with the mm-hmm. perspective of a hobbit. Mm-hmm. And it opens with Mary being sad that Pippin is going and he's not and mm-hmm. that they won't be together. And then it also ends with Pippin being sad that Mary's not there with him. Yep. 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 Uh, I love that. Them Hobbs. The them Hobbs. I was like, that was, yeah, that was my first note that mm. I was like, don't separate them. I know. I'm like, can't Pippin stay with Mary? Like, right, please. Right. Do we really please. need somebody to represent the Hobbits? People don't even know They, they just <laughs> got reunited. And it feels so good. <laughs> I just, it's upsetting. It is. Um, Anytime that those two are separated, because they're such like close friends. Makes me sad. And I love that about these books. That there's so sad. many like good duo, like male friendships, and you just love them. You love them together. You love seeing them help each other out. Mm. Was it, I skinned the chapter before, and there's Legolas and Gimli pound around. Like, yeah, that's what. All these good male friendships. That was one of my favorite parts of the previous chapter is that it's like we finally, I think for like the first time since this book start in like the first, the second chapter, Mm -hmm. we see Legolas and Gimli together again. And then we see Merry and Pippin together again. And it's Mm like, ah, our babies. Don't don't make them go through this. (laughs) And as the army is walking off, I hate this. I hate this line. Merry could see him not far off, a small but upright figure among the tall men of Minas Tirith. My little baby off to destroy people. And as they're walk- watching them walk off, Virgil, or Burgle, mm-hmm. I've never learned how to say his name. We'll go with either Virgil one. Virgil cool. comes over and talks to him, and Mary's just very sad so that he sad. is alone. And all his friends have left, mm-hmm. and doom is imminent. Mm-hmm. As he's, like, thinking, having these, like, dark, sad thoughts... He realizes that his wound suddenly like increases in pain, mm-hmm. and I think that's really interesting. That this is like a evil, dark wound, mm-hmm. and as he's thinking of these like dark thoughts and mm-hmm. having these dark feelings, the wound gets worse. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't know, cool that yeah. Tolkien like very subtly plays puts that in. Mm-hmm. It's like a a physical. I don't know if it's embodiment is the right thing, but you know physical representation of this Mm -hmm. despair that they're all experiencing. Yeah. Which is cool. And also, yeah, it's a creepy evil wound and respond to creepy evil situations. Yeah. (laughs) So the army marches onward. That's kind of all that happens. Yeah, I I, I put in my notes, I think, like, I just wanted to hear what you thought of this chapter because I thought it was suspenseful and exciting, but it is a lot of walking. And I know how you feel about chapters that are a lot of walking. True to Tolkien. (laughs) Um, so I listened to the, I did listen to the audiobook chapter for this one too. And the audiobook is really well done because the way that he narrates it, he, it is really suspenseful Mm -hmm. and he makes it really suspenseful. And you're like, I feel so uneasy and, and like the ambient noise and the Mm -hmm. like voice actors and and music and stuff that they put into it to of course help. Um, that would help. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to break your heart at the end of this chapter with 
with what they do in the audiobook at a point. So the end of this chapter already broke my heart, but okay. Um, Yeah, so the audiobook is really cool because it he makes it he narrates it so well, and you feel this like you feel what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. But reading it, I was just kind of like, okay, (laughs) like what did I write? Random thought. What is the origin of the word booty as it relates to the word treasure? Because at one point they meant they say you were really thinking some high and lofty thoughts. Yeah, like in this that's chapter. how much that's how like little is happening right now in the sense that so it says some were strengthening the ferries and boat bridges that the enemy had made and in part destroyed when they fled. Some gathered stores and booty. And at first I was like, "Oh, they're getting they booty." That booty. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, no, booty, as in, like, like how pirates are, yeah, are like, booty. there's the booty. <laughs> and then that's what made me think. I was like, when did, like, like how did how did that get to a point in the English language where they were like, oh, yeah, treasure, booty. <laughs> you know? I just. I do. And I don't have an answer for you. There you go. Anyway. So, <laughs> like, that, like, that's one of my thoughts. That's fair. Okay. Um, and then I also read, this is a lot more strategy set up and less battle than mm-hmm. I thought it would be. I yeah. thought it was going to, like I said, I thought it was going to be a huge battle. Yeah. But it's a lot more of like, they sent these people up this way and mm-hmm. these people down this way. And over here, they were doing this. Yeah. And I was um, getting a little lost in here, too, because it's the internet right now. God. Neither can I. God, that scared <laughs> the Shire out of me. Listeners, our our Google Mini just went off without being asked. Nope. Unprompted. She's always listening, everyone. How, how dare you? Always oh listening. I'm glad the FBI agent and our Google Mini <laughs> is listening. I hope they're enjoying this conversation. What was I saying? Oh, I was getting a little lost reading this. Yeah, I tried to, once again, flip, all the locations. flipped to the map yeah. and was like, where are they? And then I was like, I don't know where they are. I give yeah. up. We've uh, also reached, I have read all of these books many years ago. I haven't read Return of the King since I was a kid. So I'm going off of my experience with the movies. And I don't think this is in there. Perfect. So I was going to say, this is something I'm that I feel like they easily condense in the movie to like, it goes from maybe like Gandalf and everyone talking and planning, and yeah. then it just cuts. I think to they them just show at, up at the gate. Yeah, yeah. they're there. Yeah. Like we don't need to see. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, in true Tolkien fashion, he was like, "Nah, people are gonna want to know need the details. They're gonna they're gonna be so confused if I don't explain exactly where they went and how yeah. they split up the forces." And but they're gonna be they're gonna be lost and confused. I'm like I'm lost and confused with right, this right. in the book. So too many details. Uh, yeah, they get to how do you say, uh, feel a full do off? Sure. sure. And this is where in Two Towers before Gollum, Frodo, and Sam get into Mordor. This is where they come across this like gross, creepy, beheaded statue, oh, and yeah. the head of the king is like over on the side and. And it had, like, weird dark markings on it. And I was like, Gollum, <laughs> did you do something? <laughs> and then something? he starts chanting. <laughs> I thought, I, I don't know if we ever, like, fi- find out or if we have already found out, yeah. like, who did that or if it's just always been like that. I'm sure wiser Tolkien people than I could tell you so, everything you ever wanted to know about that statue, anyway so that sta- it says the hideous orchid that was uh, that was set upon the carven figure was cast down and broken in pieces and the old king's head was raised and set in its place once more still crowned with white and golden flowers and men labored to wash and pare away all the foul scrawls that orcs had had put upon the stone okay yeah. so i guess that's the answer it was orcs at the time, I thought it was Gollum, because, like, literally the night before, he had once again, like, snuck off. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> and torn down some statues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we could use Gollum right now in Richmond. Can He's we? going around. I, I'm all, I'm, tearing I'm with down the you, statues. but I don't know about using Gollum. <sighs> Gollum. Anyway. Oh, Gollum. Um, but then, I really liked the paragraph right after that. When they're talking about the path to Minas Morgul, which took me a hot second to remember that that is where Shelob lives. And some people are saying, like, oh, yeah, we should go that way and destroy it. And Gandalf is like, pump the brakes. We cannot go that way, because if that's the way that Sam and Frodo went, we don't want to draw attention to that. Yeah. But I love the, what does he say about, because of the evil that dwelt in that valley where the minds of living men would turn to madness and horror. There's a giant (laughs) spider down there. 
so we're not going that way. But yeah. Frodo and Sam are, like, they've already gone through it and come come out the other side just fine. And I mean, Gandalf's like, it's going to drive all of our soldiers absolutely insane, so we can't go that way. Have they come out the other side just fine? Well. Because <laughs> where we last <laughs> left them. Sam's okay. Sam, like, got Frodo captured by the orcs. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam, and it was, like, a moment of, I don't, I don't remember if I ever, like, said this when I read that chapter or when I did the episode finishing Two Towers, but, like, there's this moment of, like, oh, so the the fate of our future of this land rests, it's, it's all up to Sam now. It, Remember what I said before about it. which hobbit would you pick? <laughs> <laughs> Being like, oh, great. We're all gonna die. Yeah, so they they want some of them are saying we should go take down Minas Morgul and like either overtake it or destroy it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But obviously the plan is to draw attention away from Frodo and Sam mm-hmm. so that Sauron is distracted so Frodo and Sam can complete the mission. Yep. So they go, I think north <laughs> is generally okay. what sure. I figured is <laughs> what I've guessed Works slash for me. surmised. And as they're walking, they're calling out and they're saying, The lords of Gondor are come. Let all leave this land or yield them up. And then my homeboy, who has quickly, like, unexpectedly become one of my favorite characters, Imrahil, (laughs) he's like, (laughs) he hasn't done anything wrong so far. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. And and he's always like saying, making great points and doing awesome. And I'm like, you coming in. I want you by my side at the end of the world. Yes. (laughs) He says, say not the lords of Gondor, say the king Elisar, for that is true, even though he has not yet sat upon the throne. And it will give the enemy more thought if the heralds use that name. Mm -hmm. And so they go through this land, saying that the king of Elisar has come. I just love that it was Imrahil that said that because he's technically like the pr- prince or leading whatever mm-hmm. person for Minas Tirith right now mm-hmm. because Aragorn said, I'm not going to take over or do anything right now. You've been doing great, bud. I'm going to leave that up to you. Yeah. And if the time comes for me to take over the throne, I will. And Imrahil is just such a homeboy that he's like he's like i respect you so much Mm -hmm. but like let's be real you are the king Mm -hmm. wasn't he the one in the last chapter that when they were asking like yeah who wants to come on our hopeless mission he's like well aragorn said that i could so i'm going to because i love him (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just nice because like this easily could have been a character or a like subplot or something that tolkien set up where imrahil is mad that aragorn Mm -hmm. is here or like another denethor kind of situation yeah or is jealous Mm -hmm. that he's trying to come in and take over and it's like not that situation at all yep yep in this essay i will (laughs) (laughs) now this is a podcast about emrahill emrahill yeah (laughs) But yeah, it doesn't really get, you know, when I read that, it was like, oh, shoot, they're going to start going around saying, like, the King Elisar commands this and, you know, to, like, ruffle some feathers and really get a reaction out of the the orcs and the monsters out there. But it doesn't really seem to do much. It doesn't really seem to make that big of a difference. Yeah, I was kind of, I, I was a bit confused about this because as they're walking through, I can't tell if they're saying this to be, like, I guess, I guess maybe. From my perspective, they're saying this to alert everyone in the land or who's there to, so that if there are people or beings or whatever there that aren't on Sauron's side and don't want to be caught in this fight, they mm-hmm. can, they're now like being warned mm-hmm. that like the Shire is about to go down, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. Or because it also says none answered the challenge. Mm-hmm. So... That's when I was like, so are they trying to, like, draw out Sauron's forces so they can, like, fight them by saying this? Because, like, them's fighting words. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's also just kind of like a Well, and they're expecting this whole time. Like, that's where the suspense comes from in this chapter is they're expecting at every moment to be attacked Mm -hmm. as they're, like, marching into enemy territory. And nobody is showing up. Nobody's responding to their calls. They get, like, this one little attack that's not really a threat like they beat them really quickly so then they're kind of wondering like well where is everybody if we're you know are they all gonna yeah. be at the gate when we get there or are they like what's going on yeah 
Also, Tolkien makes a point to mention that the weather was fair. <laughs> Which I was like, okay. Just in case. At least the Just weather. In case. At least the weather is nice, I guess. Well, for now. Speaking of like them expecting something to pop out. That happens! <laughs> this uh, strong force of orcs and Easterlings come out of nowhere. They have a fight and they completely our our guys completely beat them. Mm-hmm. Aragorn warns everyone that, yeah, that was cool and all, but that's probably like a... They want to be... He says, oh, to give us us false hope, Mm -hmm. basically. Like, to make us feel more comfortable. What's the phrase I'm thinking of? False sense of security? Yeah, false sense of security. That like, oh, look, we easily took down this one army in this Mm -hmm. one battle and we Mm -hmm. won it we're actually a lot stronger than we think. Mm-hmm. And Aragorn's like, don't like play into this. Sauron wants us to have this false sense of security right. to think that like, oh, we're okay. We're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. At one point, there's a group of men who are supposed to be going north, west. Oh. I don't know. Somewhere. <laughs> ahead, ahead. They're supposed to be moving somewhere further into like darker lands. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, so desolate, so desolate were those places and so deep the horror that lay on them that some of the hosts were unmanned and they could neither walk nor ride further north. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like a longer quote that I'm going to read. So hang in there. Aragorn looked at them and there was pity in his eyes rather than wrath. For these young men from Rohan, from Westfold far away, or husbandmen from Lossernak... Sure, have never ever heard that place mentioned at any point in this book, but okay. They showed up, good for them. And to them, Mordor has been from childhood a name of evil and yet unreal, a legend that had no part in their simple life. And now they walked like men in a hideous dream made true, and they understood not this war, nor why fate should lead them to such a pass. And I love this moment for Aragorn because you really see him. I mean, this this book is kind of about him. Yeah, yes, he's on the <laughs> Return cover. of the King, <laughs> and we've seen him in especially this first half really grow into becoming this leader mm-hmm. and this like kingly man mm-hmm. who is he's uh, that he looked at them with pity in his eyes rather than wrath. Yep. And that's such a testament to his character that he didn't, like, scream at them and be like, ah, you're a bunch of wussies. Like, just go up there and just suck it up. Be a man. He understands where they're coming from. And he's able to, like, empathize with them and be like, they never in their wildest dreams would Mm -hmm. imagine that they would be in such a horrific place that Mm -hmm. they've only heard, like, tales of. Mm -hmm. And yet here they are. And that's not something that... I take lightly. And Mm -hmm. so he tells some of them to go another way and to try and retake it and, and yeah, show like shows them mercy instead of just yelling at them and telling them to like go on anyway. Mm -hmm. And this like little moment for some of the men, it then some being shamed by his mercy overcame their fear and went on. And the others took new hope hearing of a manful deed within their measure that they could turn to and they departed. So this is this is like a small moment in this chapter, but it's just like a great a great moment to show Aragorn's growth as a character. Yeah. And this is when I wrote down Aragorn 2020. Please, <laughs> someone with character. Oh man. Um, but yeah, and there I also loved that little scene um, just for everything that it shows you about Aragorn and the type of leader that he's going to be and that he's becoming throughout this book. Uh, there's also so much symbolism and imagery in the rest, like from this point on the rest of the chapter, that screams of World War II experiences to me. Like that about. I totally like, missed all of that. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, the whole time I was like, wow, this is. Uh, because you're, I'm you're an really idiot. Writing through your pain, aren't you, Tolkien? This is why. I mean, when has he not this done that? This is true. Yeah. So. It's where great art comes from, it comes from pain. Um, yeah, just talking about the desolation that lay before them. They, they walked like men in a hideous dream made true. Um, it talks later on as they're making camp about smoke and fumes rising out of the earth and a shroud covering the sky. Um, and I found a blog post from 
Tor.com. I think that's a publisher. Um, but just talking about this chapter, and it says, The idea of war as a dreamlike state cannot be original to World War One, and yet it immediately reminded me of World War One poetry. I know that the breaking point here is not combat, but landscape, which permits the straddling of the conflicting worldviews of epic heroism and psychological realism, and it's just very Tolkien. So it's it's very similar to... I also have a really sad World War One poem, but I don't have to read that because it's Yes! Right? <laughs> read it! Okay. Yeah, listeners, Bethany was like, oh my god, I felt so unprepared when I've been on before, and I'm like, literally, Came you're with fine. the notes today, y'all. And yeah, so she was like, I'm going to study, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I all I'm gonna write notes, chapter. I'm doing research, and I'm like, I'm like, you could have shown up and been like, I, like, I could have opened the door and you could have been finishing the chapter. And I would have been fine with it. Yeah. The readers would have known. (laughs) No, they wouldn't have. They would have known. But yeah, so in that blog post, she linked to a poem, and I got really excited when I saw it because I read it in college. I will just read the last. I wonder if I also read it. Dolce e decorum est. I don't remember the name, but I remember I took a literature class specifically about the name. Oh, well, I guess that would have been World War I. This is World Um, War I. Oh. Yeah. I thought you said World War II. No. Oh, I might have. I meant one. Wait, did he fight World War One or mm-hmm. two? Mm-hmm. He wrote this in like the fifties. I mean, he was older by then. He fought in World War One. Oh no, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, no, I knew that. I yeah. knew that. I think because in my brain I was like, oh, he wrote it in the fifties. That was closest, closest to, World to World War Two. Yeah, right. But no, I think yeah, I think he fought in World War One, and that's why there's a lot of but trench warfare. Yeah. Sim- but anyway, yeah, I took a I had a literature class about like. The 1920s, and I was like, "Great, we're gonna read Gatsby the whole time." No, nope. we didn't even read <laughs> Gatsby read about everyone being depressed. I was that's mad what, about it. That's what came out of that. <laughs> and yeah, we had like a whole section about literature and stuff about like post-war mm-hmm. stuff. And I remember there was one poem that had something to do with like tear gas or something. That might be is that. What this one. is? I think yeah, this might so, be this one. Cool. All right, um, let's read it. Woo! So I'll just read the last bit. Uh, I don't know if you do trigger warning. It's a little bit violent. Yeah. Listeners, trigger warning if violence is not your thing or makes you uncomfortable. If in some smothering dreams you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face, like a devil sick of sin, if you could hear at every jolt the blood come gurgling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud, of vile incurable sores on innocent tongues, my friend, you would not tell him with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory, the old lie, Dolce et decorum est pro patria mori. So there is a lot of sad imagery in there, um, but a lot of it—the smothering dreams and just the, uh, you know, a lot of death imagery um, and a lot of the false view of glory. The mm-hmm. the poem, it's the title of the poem, Dolce et decorum est. Um, I think translates to like how sweet and right it is, and then pro patria mori is to die for your country. So it's all about. You know, there's this false idea of going to battle and dying gloriously and, like, giving yourself up for your country. And it's, in reality, a lot more really gritty and awful and traumatizing. Um, And I think that, you know, comes across in this chapter a lot, that there's a lot of hopelessness in this chapter. And there's not ever... Even with, like, I I noted, too, like, even with Merry and Pippin, how it's kind of bookended with them, neither of them are ever, like... Mary's not excited that he killed the Witch King. He's really upset that his friends are going away, probably going to die. Pippin's not excited that he's on this glorious battlefield. He just wants peace and he wants to be back with his friends. Like, there's not a whole lot of glorifying this battle. And I feel like that probably comes from a lot mm-hmm. of what Tolkien experienced and, yeah. you know, the horrors of war. Yeah, I will say, there throughout this book, whenever there's a battle scene or or fighting or any kind. Tolkien, yeah, he he doesn't glorify it at mm. all. He doesn't glorify this sense of like war and duty and mm-hmm. um like sacrificing yourself for your country or whatever. He makes it a very dark, terrifying thing mm. to read about mm-hmm. because that's what he experienced yep. himself. Yep. And I'm sure there was like for him when he probably went to war there was probably a lot of messaging propaganda as i would call mm-hmm. it of like that probably did glorify mm-hmm. and being like you're gonna fight for your country and you're gonna be a hero and blah blah, blah. and then like the realities of it are just so more unimaginable right. than you could like, and you see that in this scene with aragorn where he's talking about like these young men that came from who knows where we've never heard of these places um but how could they expect that they would be doing this like this isn't what they signed up for kind of thing yeah so. 
a lot of parallelism, I think, with probably what Tolkien experienced and what he saw in the war. Exactly. But. Um, and my note after this part was, so this chapter is low-key boring. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like I said, it is, it's a lot of, like, it, yeah. war strategy, army mm-hmm. strategy stuff. It is, yeah. As they make their way towards the Black Gates. What did you think when they got to the gate? That's kind of your first experience with, well, not really. I guess Frodo and Sam experience. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned that. They but... say that they they were approaching the Moranon. Yep. <laughs> the the Moranon. Moran. They were approaching the Moranon from the northwest, even as Frodo had done. So this is where I believe when Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, I was like, there was a third one in there. (laughs) I was like, who's the third person? Um, When Frodo, Sam, and Gollum come out of the Marshes of the Dead, they originally come here to the uh, north of Mordor. And this is where Frodo, they're all like, there's no way we're going to be able to enter from here. Actually, I think that was in the chapter, the Black Gate is closed. Yep, probably. Because that was after the Marshes of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Don't come for me if that was wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Chronologically, you're right. I think think that's how it happened. I think that's what was happening in the chapter, the Black Gate is closed, is Mm -hmm. they get there and they're like, crap, this isn't going to work. And that's when Gollum is like, secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. (laughs) Secret tunnel. (laughs) Secret tunnel. reference now yes (laughs) so that's when they go south so this army is kind of doing the opposite of what Frodo and Sam have done Mm -hmm. um where they started out heading towards Minas Morgul and then went north and then Frodo Sam and Gollum were north and went south towards Minas Morgul Mm -hmm. um so they get there and the black gate is shut Mm -hmm. right now yep they do a huge list of all the people who were there Yep. There was Gandalf as chief herald and heir... Oh, let, let me start over. When all was ordered, the captains rode forth towards the Black Gate with a, th- with a great guard of horsemen in the banner and heralds and trumpeters. There was Gandalf as chief herald and Aragorn with the sons of Elrond and Eomer of Rohan and Imrahil and Legolas and Gimli and Peregrine were bidden to go also so that all the enemies of Mordor should have a witness. And this is when I got really sad and upset that Faramir and Eowyn are not at this Aww, battle because they yeah. are presumably still recovering. Yeah. I mean, they're ba- represented. <clears throat> they're, they're people. Uh, are, but It still makes me sad. If we brought like, Eowyn to this battle, she would have won it too quickly. It would have been like Captain Marvel. Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like my go-to reason for like, why is Captain Marvel not an endgame? Because it would have been over. <laughs> Don't invoke her name. It would have been. It would have been a. It would have been a one-hour movie. <laughs> As opposed to the six we oh, got. Oh man. So yeah. So I just had a moment to be like, oh, they're not here to like. Because mm-hmm. what I'm assuming is kind of going to happen is that this is going to be happening simultaneously while, like, meanwhile. Sam and Frodo are doing whatever mischief mm. they're doing in Mordor. Mischief, that's a good word for it. <laughs> whatever they're up to in bold, Mordor. Bold of you to assume, after the rest of this chapter, that Sam and Frodo are still able to cause are mischief. Are still alive, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming it would be a really dark book if, like... <laughs> Sips Dr. Pepper, suggestively. <laughs> so I'm assuming that, like, this is going to be the last stand. Yeah. So it kind of made me sad that Eowyn and Faramir, who right. have been... Such right. awesome characters. Well, in Faramir this didn't do much. Eowyn battle. Didn't do what do you mean Faramir didn't do much? He failed his mission, came back barely alive, and his father almost killed That's him. That's not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> can't use that against him. Also, he had to live his whole life with Boromir and Denethor. <laughs> I think very he true. Tr- I think he turned out pretty good, you considering how he could have turned out. You got a point. Okay. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so they stand there, and it just says they cried. And mm-hmm. I was like, is it Aragorn? Is it Gandalf? Who? So I guess they all they all wrote down the speech. Just imagining them in sync. <laughs> that they all said together. 
Come forth, let the Lord of the black land come forth. Justice shall be done upon him, for wrongfully he has made war upon Gondor and rested its lands. Is that rested, yes, rested. with a W? Like, yes. Anyway, like, I don't think I've ever wrestled. Like, I know I read. Took. I know I read this word previously, but as I was looking, I was like, Have "Wait I? a minute." Therefore, the king of Gondor demands that he should atone for his evils and depart then forever. Come forth, and then <laughs> nobody home. Sauron had already laid his plans, and he had a mind first to play these mice cruelly before he struck to kill. There came a long rolling of great drums, like thunder in the mountains. And then a braying of horns that shook the very stones and stunned men's ears. And thereupon the door of the black gate was thrown open with a great clang. And out of it there came, there came an embassy from the dark tower. So this creepy guy comes out who's basically like Witch King Part 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just wait till you see this guy in the movie. He's oh boy. the lieutenant of the tower of Barad... Bara, have never Baradur. Baradur. I can't say it because D U R is a very hard sound for my mouth to make. <laughs> <That's> fair. <laughs> Baradur. <laughs> oh, I closed my book. Baradur. Dur. Dur. Um, the lieutenant of the tower of Baradur he was, for his, and his name is remembered in no tale, for he himself had forgotten it. Which I can relate to. Sometimes there are days where I'm like, I don't know what my name is. Who am I? Who am I? What am I doing And he here? said, I am the mouth of Sauron. To which I, like, as at the time that I was reading this, I was like, gross. <laughs> so in the that. movie, he kind of literally is. Ew. It's gross. Nasty. <laughs> and he... Comes out and kind of taunts everyone and is like, Aragorn, hey, you're not a king. He's such a tool. He like comes out and starts poking at Aragorn and making fun of him. And then Aragorn just glares at him and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, hey, I didn't come here to fight. <laughs> you're like, then why are you? It's like, don't, don't hurt me. Don't, don't talk the talk, um, boy. Also, he specifically said, where is it? It needs more to make a king than a piece of elvish glass, which I think is really interesting. He specifically mentions that mm-hmm. because that is what, where is it? Let me find it. Because the people of Minas Tirith started calling him Elfstone. Elfstone, yeah. Isn't there a fancier name that they call him that means Elfstone? El, was it Elisar? Is that the one? I don't know if Elisar Maybe. means. That is one of his names. He has 20 he names. He has many <laughs> names. <laughs> but they cut, like, it's just interesting that yeah. the mouth of Sauron is like, huh, you need more than an Elfstone to make you a king. And but it's, it's like, well, actually. It's fun to read that because that's what we just talked about is all of these things that we've been seeing Aragorn do for the last... Mm-hmm. I almost said 870 pages. That's not right. I like, mean, yeah, it's... But mostly, yeah. yeah. Like, all of these very kingly things that it's it's almost like, well, funny you should say that. Because... He's actually doing a really good all job. All these people call me Elfstone mm-hmm. because I'm apparently their king now. Yep. Didn't even <laughs> ask for it. Just Interesting. Happened. He, the mouth of Sauron also makes fun of Gandalf a little bit and he's like, oh my god. That's, that's a step too far. You again? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, buddy, give it up. How old are you now? Yeah, um, he calls him Old Greybeard mm-hmm. and says that he is stuck. Where is it? This time thou hast stuck out thy nose too far. I just think it's very funny. It's also, that's also funny for me because, of course, in my head, Gandalf and Dumbledore look the exact same, basically. (laughs) And Dumbledore specifically is described as having, like, a crooked, like, gangly nose. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't, and I don't know why in my head, but I imagine Dumbledore's nose, like, sticks out really far and it's, like, bent to the side because it was broken when he was, when his brother and him got in a fight Mm -hmm. um, when they were teenagers. And so that's what I'm imagining when he's like, you stuck your nose out too far. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's kind of hard because his nose already like <laughs> sticks out farther than his face. And then I'm like, oh, that's, that's. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wrong, wrong wizard. <laughs> wrong, wrong old wise wizard, whatever. <laughs> and then this is honestly, I was like, wow, like, well, well, well played Sauron. This is like a good move. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I like, obviously not for our team. It's, it's not right, a good move, but right. like, this is at this point, it's like a game of chess. Yeah. And each piece they're moving is putting them towards this final battle of mm-hmm. who knows who's going to win. Because mm-hmm. when you first start a game of chess, it's 
just as equal, you know, yeah. it's an even playing field and stuff. Players, and so you have to be very strategic and careful about where you're putting these pieces. Mm-hmm. And this piece, to me, almost feels like a check. Yeah. <laughs> I also read, somehow found somebody's, like, looked like professors or smart people's, like, Google Gchat conversation that was somehow online. Which I cannot share with you because it's got spoilers in there. But it was oh. fascinating reading them be like, well, but does Gandalf know this about Frodo and Sam? And, like, a lot of back and forth, like... Well, Saruman thinks that Gandalf knows this, but we know this, but Gandalf might yeah. not. And, like, it, this all is... of the risks that he had to take in this, like, from based on what Saruman shows him, trying to infer what does that necessarily mean yeah. about Frodo and Sam. So he comes out and he holds up first the sword that Sam had carried, and next a gray cloak with an elven brooch, and last the coat of mithril mail that Frodo had worn wrapped in his chartered garments. This is, yeah, this is very much where it's like, I think, like, we don't exactly know what has now happened to Sam and Frodo mm-hmm. since we last saw them. Yes. I know how they got this stuff specifically, which is that this is what Sam left Frodo with when he was like, I'm going to bury you, but I'm not going to bury right, you. Yeah. And then the orcs came and got him. Mm -hmm. So that's how they got all this stuff. And we know that. And we know that when they got this stuff, that Sam and Frodo were both still alive. But Frodo had been captured. Mm -hmm. And they had been separated. But they don't know this. Yes. However, a lot could have happened since we last saw Frodo and Sam. Mm-hmm. So they very well could be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> you makes know? this so fun to read because there's so much like... Like, like nobody I don't knows. know. Like Gandalf doesn't, Sauron doesn't, we don't. Yeah, but it's like a very sad moment because Sar to our eyes, it's like oh Sauron is totally playing them mm-hmm. and is making them believe that Frodo and Sam are dead. Mm-hmm. Because if they believe that, then they are they've lost all hope. Yeah, and and they're trying to figure out where the ring is. That's right. That's another thing that the smart people were talking about. They're like well, oh, does Gandalf was, know where the ring yeah, is? Yeah, trying to figure out. Like, obviously, we and Gandalf know that Frodo has the ring, but Sauron's trying to figure that out, too. And I think that was oh. that's one of the reasons that they're doing this charge, is to make it seem like, we have the ring, we think that we're really powerful, so we're going to make this desperate attempt. I was going to say, because if that's another thing, definitely, to consider, because they're presenting all this stuff as if Frodo and Sam are dead, and they've defeated them, and they now have the ring. Mm-hmm. However, if I was, like, at this battle, I would be like, wait a minute, if they had the ring... Mm-hmm. By now, we would be... You'd be toast. Decimated. Yeah. Like, there would mm-hmm. be... We wouldn't be having this and back be and no, forth. there'd be no banter. Yeah, or exactly. Or be a, like, here's my ring. We would be dead. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There would be no none of this, like, strategic chess mm-hmm. playing. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that's why... So, let me... Before I jump into that. Yeah. For, so, Pippin... Poor Pippin. Poor Pippin. Runs forth and is like, no! <laughs> and the mouth of Sarn is like... You brought another one. Right. <laughs> How many of these little things are there? He's like, really? He calls him. He calls <laughs> him an imp. imp. <laughs> I know. Talk about my boy that way. And then he says, "Okay, well, we'll make you a deal. We will give you Frodo back. Um, because he's still. They actually do say, or no, they don't say he's alive. But they basically say like, they we'll say give, he's alive. We'll give you yeah. Frodo back, and you will save him then from a lifetime of." torment and like a slow terrible painful death if you save him and our terms are everything east of the mountains or whatever is sauron's domain Mm -hmm. and then everything in the west no one can fight or have any weapons of any kind but we'll let them live quote unquote peacefully Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they can still have their own governments and everything but i'm gonna go to edoras no where's saruman right now uh, What's it called? Uh, His tower thing. Isengard. Or, or think. Isengard. Yep. Isengard. Yep, that's, that's it. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> Not or think. There's, there's too many towers. <laughs> two of them specifically. There's too many. No, there's more than two towers. That's what I was looking at on the map. So I don't remember if I, there was some Q&A where someone asked me like, oh, do you know what the two towers are? And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's Minas Tirith and Minas Morgul. But it, and I was thinking about it more today. I was like, but in the book two towers those two towers barely come into play it's more about saruman's tower and i guess maybe minas morgul because that's where frodo and sam sam end up going yeah so there's yeah so there's there's saruman's tower there's minas morgul minas tirith and then there's also on the map 
the Dark Tower of Barad-dûr, which is past Mount Doom. Oh, okay. Is Orthanc a separate thing? Is that even a tower? Yes. Or is that just another name for, like, Minas Tirith or something? No. Or is, isn't Orthanc in Osgiliath? Is this getting to a point now where... I'm afraid to respond because I know that people would yell at me on Twitter. because No I one's going to yell at you. <laughs> I, no, because I don't know. Anyway, point being is very presumptuous of Tolkien to name a book two towers when there's like, like 50 like towers. towers. <laughs> anyway, so the mouth of Sauron is like, I'm going to go take over Isengard and I'm going to have full control over everything in the West. Yep. Which means that, no, it's not going to be, like, peaceful, self-governing yep. people. It's all going to be clearly, yeah. you've got such a positive impression of this guy. Exactly. So far. And Which also, bold move on Saruman's part, or Sauron's part. Like, I will give you this very small human in exchange <laughs> yeah, for everything. everything. And that's what Gandalf calls him out on. He's like... This is an interesting deal you've set yeah. up because it seems like we're not really getting a lot in return yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> and Meanwhile, Pippin's like, well, over. Pippin's probably over there. How like, about you it. give us Frodo first, and then we'll oh, talk? We'll, yeah. Like, no. And Gandalf, I like, I did like gasp a little bit at this. Oh, he yes. says, "Oh, yeah." So the Mouth of Sauron says, "These are his terms. Take them or leave them." And Gandalf says, "These we will take." And I was like, "What? You're gonna accept I it?" I was like, "What?" It's a little fake out because he does this thing where he casts aside his cloak and a white light shone forth like a sword in that black place. And he runs forward and gets all the stuff that they had presented that was Sam and Frodo's. Mm -hmm. And then they go into a huge battle. Yep. Yep. (laughs) At first, the mouth of Sauron and he had come out with like a couple Mm -hmm. servants or whoever. Yeah. They turn around to run back inside the gates. And at first I was like, oh, okay, they're going to go inside and I don't know, it's going to be more strategy talk. No! Nope. Nope. This um, is the moment you've been waiting for. says, even before they came to the gate, Sauron sprang his trap. Drums rolled and fires leaped up. The great doors of the black gate swung wide. Out of it streamed a great host as swiftly as swirling waters when a sluice is lifted. Mm. And this is also when I remembered how much I hate the word sluice. Why? I don't know why. It's, it's just... a very specific word i know but that's why i didn't that's why i like forgot how much i hated it until i it just it sounds slimy i don't like it sluice it's because of the sl yeah at the beginning there oh see the part that gets me is the ooh, ooh, is the ui so do you hate juice too no <laughs> it's it sounds like it's a very sloshy word yeah sluice sluice anyway regardless <laughs> and out of that sluice comes Hordes oh yeah, evil. I wrote down. I wrote down. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, and follow- then you turned the page. Followed by. Uh oh. <laughs> Big uh oh. And so everything Sauron has basically comes out, and it's a huge battle. And Nazgul come out, and everything is awful. It says, "Then all hope was quenched." <laughs> so in this moment, where there's this huge battle, and there's like twenty billion characters. Of much more importance than Mary. Mm-hmm. I mean, than Pippin. We go to Pippin's perspective. Which is so odd. Like, it's so jarring when you're reading it. You're hearing about, like, Aragorn has no time left for ordering this battle and everybody's lining up. And you're like, and then we go to Pippin. We go to Pippin. <laughs> and. Who is at the front just, of the line? And it's just, it's Tolkien oh carrying on with this. It's a very recurring thing that he does where in big moments or important moments, he goes to the perspective of one of the hobbits mm-hmm. um, because they're the most like naive mm-hmm. innocent perspectives yep and i mean my running theory that i think is correct is that the hobbits are always going to be the stand-in for the reader mm-hmm. because the hobbits at any given time know just as much yep. as the reader does yes, yes. in fact so a good at any given time the reader probably knows more than the hobbits yes, do. <laughs> so we jump back to pippin and pippin goes i wish mary was here mm-hmm. And this is what I was referring to earlier when I said, oh, I'm going to tell you something about the audiobook that will break your heart. So at this point, when Pippin is like thinking back, he's like, oh, I wish I wish I could see. He's like, oh, I'm never going to get to see like green grass and fresh air again. Like, I'm going to die here. Mary's not here. While this is all happening in the audiobook, they slip in and like work into the background music the like hobbit shire theme that's heartbreaking yeah i'll try it i'll insert it here actually Uh. oh i wish betty was here he heard himself saying 
and quick thoughts raced through his mind, even as he watched the enemy come charging into the assault. Well, well. Now at any rate I understand poor Denethor a little better. We might die together, Mary and I. Since die we must. Why not? Well, as he is not here, I hope he'll find an easier end. But now I must... I must do my best. And he says, well, well, now at any rate, I understand poor Denethor a little better. We might die together, Mary and I. And since die we must, why not? So... Just such a hopeless thing to think. Like, you know and it's you... dark when you're like, oh, I think I understand Denethor. Right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> you're like, oh, I, that, what he did makes sense now. But Pippin, like, throughout this whole thing has been very much, like, he's the youngest of the group. He's always been, like, the lighthearted, kind of comic relief, kind of there for Gandalf to punch around, but that's just, I feel like that carries so much more weight carrying this come from him. You're like, yeah. It's hit every one of them. Like, they've all been impacted by this darkness. Yeah. Poor bud. So these like gross monster people, I don't even know. Are are they trolls? Troll! Troll in in the dungeon! dungeon. Thought you ought to know. (laughs) A great company of hill trolls out of Gorgoroth, taller and broader than men they were, and they were clad only in close fitting mesh of horny scales, or maybe that was their hideous hide, but they bore round bucklers, huge and black, and wielded heavy hammers in their knotted hands. They come and and smack down on Baragon. Rip. I'm assuming he's dead then. No, so he's not. Uh, Pippin saves him. Oh, okay. It just says that he was stunned, so they knocked him out. And as he fell, a troll came to chew his throat, which is gross. Oh, okay, Pippin I thought he had him. already no, so done it. So Pippin, Pippin has done his... Yeah, Pippin stabs him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of like knocked down and... He like falls on top of him. Is like kind of fading out. And he says, so it ends as I guessed it would. And then... And then! And then... Then even as it winged away into forgetfulness, he heard voices. And they seemed to be crying in some forgotten world far above. The eagles are coming. The eagles are coming. For one moment more, Pippin's thought hovered. Bilbo, it said. But no, that came in his tale long, long ago. This is my tale, and it is ended now. Goodbye. And his thought fled far away, and his eyes saw no more. And that's how this chapter ends. Yep, it's a downer. So, obviously there's something that I don't under- I don't- fully understand there with why he was like, oh, Bilbo. Mm -hmm. No, that's how his tale ended, not mine. I think that line is in The Hobbit. I have not read The the Hobbit in a very long time, but in The Hobbit it says the eagles are coming. That's what I was, I was like, so is this- He thinks he's imagining- Oh, like Bilbo, maybe. Okay, got it. Because I was like, so is this just like Tolkien's go-to deus ex machina, the eagles coming in to save the day? And he has now done it he did it first in The Hobbit with Bilbo, and now he's doing it we'll again, do it again. <laughs> with with this. So, yeah. So, obviously, I don't fu- fully understand that yet. I yeah, will soon. You will, you will um, get there. It's funny. The eagles are coming because I've heard, I've heard a lot of people make references to, like, giant eagles saving the day. And I always, I always kind of thought that was a reference to when Gandalf died as Gandalf the Grey and came mm-hmm. back as Gandalf the White because mm-hmm. he flies around mm-hmm. naked on an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> as you do when you come back from the dead. So I, I always kind of thought that was a, that was it was a reference to that with yeah. Gandalf flying on the eagle then. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's more eagles they, to come. They're back. They're back. <laughs> there's a um, lot of discourse on the eagles. I don't know enough about them to Discourse comment, on the eagles. That's yes, great. Yes. I also really liked... It's like kind of a side note, but that when Bur- Burgil, Burgil is comforting Mary back at the beginning, he says, They will come back, and the men of Minas Tirith will never be overcome. And now they oh. have the Lord Elfstone and Baragond of the Guard, too. And Baragond, like five seconds into this battle, out. Smack. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, like, what a, like, I mean, Burgil is, he's like a 10 year old boy. Yeah. Like, what a sad child, like, thing for Tolkien to put in that he he has no he in his mind he's like oh yeah like my dad will save the day mm-hmm. isn't that just mm-hmm. heartbreaking there's a lot so. this is a sad chapter it is yeah my last night well this is to say the least not good not great not what um you want. as you can see i also didn't write many notes at all like every less it was than a page ish chapter yeah um, it's also I yeah it was less than 10 pages did I write anything else out? yeah so is there anything now that we finished a chapter is there anything 
we skipped over, glossed over. Any more depressing poems you want to read? I can always find more depressing World War One poems. Awesome. I'll, I'll spare your listeners. Awesome. Uh, no, I think we covered it all. Well, Bethany, that brings us to the end of this episode. Awesome. <laughs> um, is there anything you would like to plug or share with the audience? Um, not really. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Support your local newspaper. That's all. Yeah, do As that. Always. Especially now. Wear your mask. mask. Yeah. Wear your, mask Wear your masks. Fortnite Especially papers. now, let me emphasize local because mm-hmm. I have not I have not been watching any lo- national coverage of nope. things that are going on. I am fo- like I'm following and watching the local journalists nope. who are on the streets. They're on the streets covering it, doing if insane you, work. If you feel the need to share something on the internet that says the media is not covering this, please Google it first because they're and look into covering look it. into the local your oh media. listen some context here. Bethany is a journalist. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and and used to work at a like local, local newspaper. newspaper. Yeah. So and that's my, the context here for my why we're coworkers like... are still out there covering protests, getting their COVID tests after they cover the protests. God, because insane. you can still get exposed to it out there. So give them a give them a shout out, give them some love. Yep. That's all. Cool. Anything media wise you're enjoying? Books, movies, TV, etc. Oh, I've been reading, what's it called? The Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson, I think. It's The Way of Kings, but they're giant fantasy books. They were super scary to get into because it's oh, a very it's a very strange world that he has created, but I think Brandon Sanderson is peak fantasy writing. I was going to say, he's a very... Some other people have talked about Yeah, he's a very good show. Yeah. Um, author. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Um, I'm going to read the credits... Oh, I was right about the Black Gate being the Black Gate is closed is immediately after the passage of the Martians. Oh, nice. Okay, smart. Cool. Great. I was right. That's what I'm talking about as a member of WBE. I don't say that. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about as a proud member of WBE. You can learn more about the network by going to wbne.org where you can find all the other podcasts on our network such as Bagels. Hello. I'm Tyler Carlin and I love you. And I'm Emily Carlin, and I love you too. And if you love someone, or you love love, you should listen to our new podcast, Bagels! We're not experts, but we sure would like to be. And we believe the best way to get better at something is to practice. So listen to our story as it unfolds as young parents. As best friends. As husband and wife. As we explore what relationships mean to us and to those around us. Bagels, available now at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The cover art is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. And you can also join the Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. You can go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to get access to different level tiers. Um, some of them will give you bonus content and this week's sponsor for this episode is matt matt thank you so much for being a sponsor of the podcast i appreciate your support a lot and now the discussion question so a couple weeks ago the question was what smell would awaken you from death and this is from the houses of the healing when aragorn wafts the thing into their faces Mm -hmm. and they're like oh i smelled (laughs) parchment and grass and i had a hard time with that question because hair (laughs) i don't resonate with mary waking up and being like i'm really hungry i feel like when i wake up from being sick or whatever like i I don't want i just love i love that so much his first thing is i'm hungry (laughs) anyway um so some people shared like really poetic beautiful this was one of my favorite questions to ask because there were two kinds of answers Mm -hmm. There were the people who were like, pizza! (laughs) And then there are people who gave like really, which I'm grateful for to read all the answers. I love all of them. But I particularly love the people who like spent time to come up with like a poetic answer. Meredith said, the start of a summer rain onto a brick driveway while a campfire crackles merrily, sheltered from the storm. That's beautiful. I know. And then on Instagram, Shire Library said, sagebrush, clean, cold mountain air. Ooh. Yeah. I love clean, Clean, cold cold. mountain air. I'm picturing, like, you're in a cottage and somebody throws the door open. You kind of get blasted with a wave of cold, crisp. In Discord, Jordan said, fresh bacon and coffee. 
There were a lot of people insane. who said there were a lot of people who said bacon, yeah. coffee. There were a lot of like freshly baked cookies, mm-hmm. brownies. Oh, and this one just made me laugh so hard. Daniel in our Discord said he's he was like, This isn't this isn't a smell, but the sound of my cat getting ready to throw yes. up. <laughs> say it was like the sound of my dog taking a giant pee under my bed i would bolt upright (laughs) oh that was a good one so the discussion question for this week is i don't know what's your favorite sad world war one poem (laughs) honestly um yeah i meant to tell you when you first walked into my apartment to be like hey as we're having a just our like conversation be thinking about what could be a good a good question but i forgot to Mm. say so what happens in this chapter it's just very sad. Yeah. About like a what's like overwhelming odds story that you really Ta- Okay, here's the here's the discussion question. Tell us what your favorite like underdog yeah. story or comeback story is. Please do not send me the blooper of Chris Pratt and Parks and Rec from the We Everyone Loves a Good <laughs> Comeback Story. <laughs> oh man, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Anyway. You lost me. Oh, have you not seen this? Blo- I will have to show you this blooper. Please do. Please do. I can't believe you've never seen this. I might have. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Okay. As know. soon as we finish recording. Actually, we're going to stop <laughs> recording right now so that we can go watch this. All right. All that being said, Bethany, do you have any parting words for the audience? I am so excited to see what Mary Clay thinks of the rest of this. And I'm also so excited to watch the movies together. So. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.